All right. Good morning. All right. So today we are going to continue in the series, um, The Love of God, which I started last week. And I'm going to continue today and I'm probably going to have another you know, couple of weeks with the love of God. And I believe that it's important that we understand what this love of God is. I don't think most people understand what that love is. But anyhow, what is just a recap from last week. What is constant and will never change is the love of God, which can only be found and fully experienced in Christ. This is something you have to experience. People can tell you how much they love you, but when you experience it, people actually demonstrate it, then you experience that love. So lip service is not enough, as we all know. But the love, to understand the love of God, you have to really fully experience it in Christ. And this love is free to anyone who wants it. It's not exclusive. Anyone who wants to experience this love can experience it. The only thing a person has to do is just receive it. The love of God is a free gift. If somebody gives you a gift, the only way you, it really becomes a gift is because you receive it. When you receive it, it really becomes a gift. And to a child of God, the love of God is what will sustain us in the times we are living in. No matter what we are facing or going through, the love of God is what's going to sustain us. Because as, as you've heard me say before, and you guys can see it from, if you remember, 10 years, 15 years ago to now, things are getting more complicated and more chaotic. And I know you all can relate to that. And last week we were in Romans chapter 8. And verse 32 through 39, we were in that area. And we were talking about God did not spare his own son, but gave him up and turned him over to sinners to be crucified for our sake, for, for anyone. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate um, Good Friday. Because God didn't spare his only begotten son. His only, his one of a kind, unique son. He didn't spare him. He freely turned him over to sinners. To be sacrificed, crucified for our sake. So that anyone, anyone, all who believe in him can be redeemed. Reconciled to God and given eternal life. This redemption has to do with setting you free from the power of sin. So that you can freely worship God without a guilty conscience. With that sacrifice that God gave of his son... There is nothing God will withhold from us. So imagine God gave his only son as a sacrifice. So anyone who receives that gift, what will God withhold from us who freely come to him through Christ? Nothing. God will, He won't withhold anything from us. People always think God is out to get them. No. God is not like God like that. In the scriptures, to the saints, the apostle Paul was persuaded that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You have to be convinced, believe firmly, have confidence in the love of God. And that's what Paul said. Paul said, I am persuaded, I am convinced. Why? Because Paul experienced something. He experienced that love intimately and through that he knows it. It's like I can say Rachel loves me. How, how can I say that? Because I've experienced it. Over the years, over time. I know she loves me because I have experienced it. Do you understand? So there's a difference between when somebody say they love you 
And when you actually experience that love, it's, a, it's totally different. So the Apostle Paul expressed that no matter what he and other saints have gone through, or are going through, or will go through, nothing can separate them from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. When you know that, you have to experience that love. And there's a confidence we have when we face difficulty and trials. So we have not, to, so we can't lose hope. We cannot lose hope. And we know that no matter what we are, we are totally secure in Christ. No matter what we're going through. When you're persuaded and you know that you're loved, there's a security we have in Christ. So when you go through, if you go through suffering, trials, whatever we have to go through, it should never drive us away from God. Not if you know that you are loved by Him. You have to seek Him to experience that love. Alright? So today we will continue with the love of God. And um, what I'm going to touch on is something that Jesus spoke about in, in a parable. And I hope through it you can relate to it through your experiences. And for those of you who have young children and who are family members, hopefully you can relate to what I'm, I'm going to talk about today. In the day when Jesus walked the earth, the people used to pay attention to what Jesus had to say were the tax collectors, the sinners, and back then they considered the, considered the sinners the prostitutes, the non-Jews, the mixed race. The Jewish people considered them sinners. So Jesus, when Jesus was speaking, these are the people who used to gather around him to listen to what he had to say. So the tax collectors were hated by the Jews and they were hated by the non-Jews because the tax collectors used to collect money for the government. And they used to overcharge people and then they used to skim off the top. So the difference that the people had to pay the government, the tax collectors used to get, take the difference and pocket it for themselves. So the people knew that they were robbers and the people hated the tax collectors. So the Jewish people hated the tax collectors because they, they used to have to pay a tax to the government. The non-Jews hated the tax collectors, because they had to collect money from them to pay the government, and they knew that the tax collectors were collecting, were taking surplus and pocketing the money for themselves. Alright? So that's, so everybody hated tax collectors. I don't know anybody who likes the tax man. We don't like the, the tax man because we know they always have their pocket, their hands in our pockets. Nobody, I don't know anybody who likes to pay taxes. So anyhow, but Jesus never rejected anyone. So when he was he was in Jerusalem and he was speaking to the people. Wherever he went, there was always a, the undesirables of society were the ones who always gathered around him. So the Pharisees and scribes were usually there. Of course, the religious people were always, were always showed up. And they always get to criticize Jesus, to find some fault or find something to accuse him of. And these people, the, the Pharisees and scribes, as I said, religious people, they, all, they had power and they had influence. And they always like to stir up the people. But in this instance, the tax collectors and sinners gathered around Jesus to hear what he had to say. And he always taught through parables and there was a reason for that. But I'm not going to go into the reason for that. So we're going to pick it up in Luke 
the book of Luke chapter 15 verses 11 Luke, Luke chapter 15 verses 11 and I'll read and then I'll stop and let's uh, I'm going to start from verse 11 and he said who is he? Jesus he said a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of my goods that falls to me so he divided to them his livelihood and not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine, the pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to, to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son." Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Now I read all that to set something up. But my main focus will be the first three verses. Which is, well let me go to verse 12. The, young of the, the younger of the two sons said to his father. Father give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together. Journeyed to a far country. Wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Or wasteful living. I want to focus on that. And, the, the, and as I said before, the topic is the love of God. And I want to show you the heart of God. Because Jesus is saying this parable. But he's teaching something about the character of God. In this parable. So just to give you a little backdrop about how when the Jewish people especially fathers, and they had their sons, what they used to do. Usually the sons would receive their share of the father's estate upon the father's death. But sometimes the fathers would divide up their estate early, retire from managing the estate, and let the sons manage whatever that has been the inheritance. But in this instance, this son couldn't wait until his father died, or until his father was ready to divide up the, inher the inheritance. So what he did, he came to the father and demanded his inheritance in advance. So the youngest son wanted rightfully what was his before his father was ready to release it. You know, and the father, and he wanted what was his and demanded it from his father. But if you read here, you read through the scripture, it doesn't, it goes through quickly. So it says, the, it just says here, the, young, the younger of them, them said to his father, give me my portion of the inheritance. And it just says, the father divided it and gave it to them, and the son took off. But there's a lot in there which is not spoken of. 
But it but let me let me just break it down for you a little bit. As I said, this just didn't happen. The youngest son was thinking about this for some time. The youngest son didn't just get up one day and say, "Give me my inheritance." He was thinking about this. So it it came to a point, a crescendo. He got tired of doing whatever the father wanted to do. He got tired of the father's authority. And one day he said, you know what? This is it. I had enough. Father, give me what belongs to me. So he mustered up the courage one day to demand his inheritance from his father. That takes a lot of guts. He's the youngest. The oldest has the respect. The youngest has the respect. But the oldest is the one that has more authority than the youngest. But the youngest to must up the courage to come to his father and demand his inheritance. He was sick and tired of being under the authority of his father. The father, the son definitely had some character issues. So you think about you as a parent. You raising your, your children. And your son, a young teenager, one day, the youngest of how many come up to you and demanding what is his. There is some character flaw issue with that with that child. And I said, my focus today is not about the son, but on the father's response to the son. That's what I'm going to focus on. But if you read the, what the response here, there was no really no real response. But all, what we can tell is what the father actually did. The father, whatever he sold off or whatever it is to give the son what his inheritance. So he sold off whatever he had to do so that the son will have his inheritance. But what you what what we got what to look at here, there is something that the father knew about his son. When we read this, we think, well, this is not something we would do. We would be if we go and sell off whatever assets we have, if we have assets to sell off, and give it to this one who is making the demands. We say we are enabling our children. You've ever heard that term that we are enabling our children when we let them, when we give them what they want. Yes, there's a, there is such enabling, but look at how the father handled this situation. The father didn't hesitate and divided up the estate and gave it to the youngest son. Why? Because he has a history of rebellion with this son. You have to understand, this just didn't happen. Because what happened, when you go back and you read about how these people used to raise their sons, they used to train them and school them from young. So that when they come into their inheritance, they know how to manage the estate. So they, were tra- they used to train their sons from, from small. So when they grow up, they're able to manage their estate. They didn't just raise them any old way and then give them their estate. They used to train them. So the father knew something about the character of this son. So when the son made the demand, he was, he was, he was fed up of him. And he just sold, he sold up whatever and gave him whatever he had to give him. And the son took off. So we will call that enabling. But there, if you read, if we, as we go, you'll see there is wisdom about what the father was doing. So you think about the father had estate, property, and he sold off because usually the youngest son might get a third of the property. So if it's, let's say, it's $100,000 or whatever it is, or half a million, he gave him whatever, and he, the son took off and had a, went to have, have a good time. But we, would, we know what it is, we won't do that. Because you say, that's wasting all, all this money. So what happens when we do that? You have a lot of bickering, fighting, sleepless nights. Because you have a rebellious child who is fighting against you to get out from under your authority. 
want to get out from your house, from your rules. Alright? I don't know if any of you ever experienced that. I was not like that with my parents. I might think stuff, but I, I have the guts to come to my father and mother and demand anything because I know I was going to be dead. No, I'm, I'm serious. I knew them. Yeah, right? So I didn't have the guts to be, demand anything. I was low on the totem pole as far as all the kids. But you have to you have see some kids nowadays demanding from their parents. Demanding things. And what you as a parent, what you want to do? You're going to go sell off your, your property and give it to them and let them go and have a good time? No. You want, number one, you want to save your kids. You want to protect them because you love them. But this is not what the father did. Came to a point where the father had to make a reluctant decision and he had to let the son go. He had to let him go. Well, how much arguing and fighting and, and chaos are you going to have in your house? Discord in your house because of one rebellious child. You, the father had to let him go. Go. Right? You have to let him go. And the father didn't make this decision lightly because he didn't love his son. He loved the son. But it came to a point in life, you just got to let them go. And the father let him go because in hope that he, was, he could save his son. The son had to learn the hard way. You know, we always say, if you can't hear, you're going to feel. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. The father was allowing him to come to the end of himself sooner than later. So instead of spending years fighting with his son, he let him go. So that he can come, he can get the, the what? go to the school of hard knocks faster. Come to the end of himself faster. Come to his senses faster. Instead of spending 10 years fighting with him or 15 years or your whole lifetime fighting with your kids because they're hard-headed and rebellious and don't want to take your advice, let them go. And let them come to the end of themselves sooner than later. You... And your house will be in peace. You pray for your kids. You love them. But you don't, at a point, you don't have any control over their own mind of how they want to live. You got to let them go. You let them go because you love them. And that's sometimes the only way you're going to learn is when you have to go through hard times. So we possibly will spend years, you know, we don't want to spend, I don't want to spend years arguing and fighting with anybody. You got to go. Now, I'm not talking about children who leave home to save themselves from abuse. If you're in an abusive home, if the father's abusing, abusing the daughters or the sons, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about kids who don't want to live on the, on, in a house under the authority of their parents. Because in every house there are rules. When I was growing up, there was a way in the Neil household. There's a way you have to carry yourself. And you know what? Don't be afraid. People come in your house and they're carrying on. Don't be afraid to kick them out. No, seriously. People come to your house and they disrespect your house. Don't be afraid to put them out. Don't worry about how they feel. You talk to them. You try and, hey, calm yourself. But they don't want, they're disrespecting your house, your space. Put them out. Don't, don't, don't worry about how they feel. Put them out. Because they, they, the, the spirit that they bring in this house... You don't want that vibe or that spirit in that house. You don't want that. You don't know. You don't want that because it it's, it spreads and it becomes it can become infectious and it spoils the mood of the whole place. So the son had to go. And one thing that we we see from the son to be able to make that demand from the father, 
he seemed to know what is best for his own life. And you can tell that he's ignorant and he's full of pride and he's arrogant. But the father showed his love for his son by releasing him. He had to let him go. We think about the financial waste. Wow, that's a lot of money to give this knucklehead to go and... But he asked, what did the father... He asked the father for... He asked the father for his portion of the inheritance. The father gave it to him. But we say enabling. But you know what? Rightfully, that's his. You want to go and have a good time? Go have a good time. And that's what the father did. But so we mustn't be afraid to... When kids demand things that... I not say these little ones. This, they, can't, they ain't going nowhere. But in this, in this country, they turn 18 and some of them want to... They don't want to listen. You got to let them go. <clears throat> so the father showed his love for his son by releasing him, as I said. We think about the financial waste. But the father was looking at the end result and what it would take to save his son. So the, to him, the financial loss was worth it to save the soul of his son. We always think about people's physical well-being, which is important. But as parents, what we have to think, if you understand the love of God, we have to think about the soul's of our children. So our Heavenly Father similarly loves us in this in this way. And He has given us free will. We have to choose to walk in His ways. And at times do things that we don't want to do for our benefit. When you're under the authority of the parents, you have a free will, but you don't have a free will to do what you feel you want to do. Because you're under the authority of your parents. So you have a choice to obey or not to obey your parents. It's the same with our Heavenly Father. We have a a choice to choose to obey or not. Choose to walk in His ways or not walk in His ways. It's a choice we have to make daily. If we are rebellious as the prodigal son, our Father will let us go. So that we have to experience the consequences of a rebellious spirit. If my daughter or my son or whomever choose to leave on their own because of rebellion it doesn't take away my love for them I still love them but I have to let them go so that they will learn by the consequences of their choices when they go out in the world because the world as we know is not forgiving the world is cut through so if they can't they just have to learn the hard way but it doesn't, it doesn't stop my love for my, my son or daughter who leaves. I still love them. I still love them. The word of God says that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Which is true. But if we choose to do whatever it is we want to do. That's not in line with his will. He has to let us go. And do what we want to do. And we have to reap the consequences of our actions. And people blame God for a lot of things. But what you sow you reap. There are consequences to people's actions. Do you understand? There are consequences. There are consequences. And many times a person who is rebellious and selfish doesn't usually think about the consequences to others. And sometimes they don't even think about the consequences to themselves because they're only thinking of the moment of to satisfy what they want. Whatever we do in life, there are consequences to us, to our family. So people in our sphere of influence, there are consequences. We, are, we always have to think about the consequences. Many times we want to save people from themselves. We talk, we talk, we talk, 
to point out, you know, trying to save people. We've talked and talked so much we've become a point of er uh, like an irritation to people. You notice the father didn't, he, he, he stopped. He just let the son go. But some of us just have to talk, talk, keep talking, talking, talking. Running ourselves crazy, worrying about people's lives. Where we should just let them go. Alright? So we, you don't want to become an irritant to somebody. We try to help or give advice when no one asks us for advice. Why? Because we love, we love them. We love them. So we try to give advice. We try to help. But sometimes you give your advice and you get insulted. Why? Because I didn't ask you for your advice. I didn't ask you to help me. But we get chastised for interfering in people's lives. Because we try to tell people how to live their lives. But that is the reaction of a person who wants their own way and will not listen and take sound advice. But sometimes you have to let them go. You have to let them go. We have to leave them to themselves. Let them fall. It is hurtful. It is very hurtful to see people go through trouble and, and hard times because they don't want to listen to sound advice. But it has to be done to save them. So hopefully they come to the end of themselves and turn back and repent. Because if you read the, the, the end of the story, the, where I read to the end, I don't have time to go into it, I'm going to pick this up next week. The son came to his senses and came back to the father. Came back and repented to the father. So sometimes you have to let them go. But what, what we see, this is really the love of God. This is the way, that, this is the way God is. God will never go against our will. Never. He won't do it. He can't. He said, I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He said, choose life. But it's a choice we have to make daily. God will never go against our own choice. Never. He won't do it. So he, you have to he leave us to ourselves. But it has to be done. And this is the love of God. There are things we have to learn if we choose to be rebellious. God will never go against our will. He will let us go. And we have to learn the hard way. Israel did it. I have done it. Brought to the end of myself. And I had to turn. I had to do it. But you know what? I don't regret it. Because then I understand. You know, for you who never heard. I've always used to pray, Lord, I don't understand what this love of God is. I don't understand what this is. I don't. And then he brought me to, I got to a point at the end of myself. And then I experienced what it was. I can't describe it to you. I can't. It's something that's supernatural. I cannot describe what the love of God is. I can't describe it. You have to experience it for yourself. And it changed my whole thinking. I don't ever pray that prayer anymore because I understand. I understand what it is. And daily and daily, I am understanding more and more what the love of God is. We don't deserve it. We don't, you can't even earn it. There is nothing you can do to earn the love of God. It's given to us freely through Christ. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't be bad enough. You can't be re religious enough to earn it. It's freely given to anyone who wants it. The love of God can be very harsh sometimes. To us, it seems very harsh, but it can be very harsh. Sometimes it seems like, He don't love me. But it's harsh because it has to take us to the end of ourselves. So then we come to our senses and then we and turn back to Him. 
God has given us all the rope, as much rope as it takes to bring us to the end of ourselves. But sometimes it's the only way that a man or a person can be free to learn. God loves us, but we must choose to love Him and do it His way. He will never usurp our will. So you, as a rebellious child, you walk out and you left home. I want my inheritance. Give me my inheritance. I'm out of here. Gone. You run into hard times, trouble. You can't even eat. You don't have no place to sleep. You can't feed yourself. And you want to say, hmm. I remember mom and they used to have that nice big pot of soup. They always had food to eat. Man, I feel like some cook-up rice and whatever right now. I show hmm, this Saturday. They probably cooking cook-up rice and callaloo. Let me go back home. Maybe I can, you know, whatever, reconcile. But when they, that person comes back, they have to come, they're coming back under what? The same rule and authority. So they have to come back what? Under the conditions and authority of the household. So it has to be done the parents' way and not the child's way. They have to come back under the, the terms of the house. Same thing with God. You have to do it His way. Not your way. And His way is through Christ. And you know, this is, you know, people, I don't know why people are afraid of God. They're, I don't know if they're afraid of God or Jesus. This is not about religion. Relationship with God has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with how often you go to church. How often you pray. But it has to do with that intimacy, with seeking God daily. Because God is a spirit. And we are spirit beings in a physical body. This physical body is going to be done away with one day. But the spirit that gives this body life is eternal. And the way we communicate with God is spirit to spirit. It's spirit to spirit. But you have to enter in. You have to enter in and let and experience that fellowship or koinonia. It's called fellowship. That intimacy, that oneness. You know, it's like a husband and wife. You know, I have my siblings, some of, uh, who are here. But my wife knows me better than my siblings. Why? Because there's an intimacy. Years of, of spending time together. Years of sharing one another. Mentally. Emotionally. Knowing each other. It comes from coining that fellowship. And that fellowship brings trust. And with that trust, you're free to understand what that person is doing. And you, and you can take it to the bank. You know that person's got your back. And you know that person loves you. I will never forsake you. You know that. This is the way the love of God is. It comes with spending time in His presence. That's why you know, people spend time in prayer or whatever. In, in, in meditating on His Word. And of, and of course um, by the Spirit. But anyhow. I'm going to pick this up next week. And I continue on the series, The Love of God. But understand, sometimes the love of God can seem harsh. But it's to bring us to the end of ourselves. So that we can choose. Because everything we do is a choice. And God will never, ever, ever usurp our choice. Never force us to do anything we don't want to do.